is Hebrew Hits, presented by JTribeRadio.com. I'm your host, Malia, and I sit down with people who live by the motto, it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. Welcome back to an all-new episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. This is the 23rd episode of Hebrew Hits, and in about six and a half minutes, I'm going to have Hill Kapnick over Zoom with me, and we're going to talk about how he got started in producing and all the good stuff. But before we get to the interview, I want to play you a song that just came out, produced by Hill Kapnick himself, sung by Gavi Recht. Here is Ahafti on jtriberadio.com.
That was a Hafti by Gavi Recht, produced by Hill Kapnick, right here on Hebrew Hits. You're listening to the voice of G Tribe Radio. My name is Malia, and today I've got Hill Kapnick on Zoom with me. How are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank God. Thanks for having me on. Of course. It's my pleasure having you. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. That is a great question. Um, well, I've been uh, producing and performing Jewish music now probably for... Uh, it's got to be somewhere in like 10 years or something like that. It's been a long time, um, really ever since like uh, middle of high school, pretty much, that I first started, you know, getting out there, performing at Simchas. Um, once uh, once I hit around uh, roughly like base medrash time, I started to explore uh, recording and studio equipment. And then the rest is, you know, the rest, I would say the rest is history, but the rest is like the history is still being created, you know, as the days go on. So how did you get into producing in the beginning? So the truth is, it really all started um, with the, uh, you know, with the with the want to to put out my own music, um, and uh, I mean from even from the the first music I ever put out, like even uh, by my wedding, we actually gave out a CD with a couple songs that had been uh, that I had composed and that I wanted to you know share with the world at the time, or at least with the with the people that were at my wedding anyway. And um, like one of the songs, uh, the music was done by uh, Aryeh Kunstler who now is now is a very close friend of mine and we've done a ton of projects together and he's unbelievably talented. Um, and the other one, funny enough, <clears throat> the other one, funny enough, the music was done by Simcha Liner. Really? Yeah. Which before is not he was Simcha a, Liner? <laughs> before he officially became Simcha Liner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, he had done the music. This was probably, it was probably right after, or pretty soon after he had first come out with Kolbarama, which honestly took the entire world by storm. Like, you know, it was, it was, it was huge. Um, and so he ended up getting involved in doing music on one of the other songs. And then, then I added in some music on, on a third and fourth song. Um, but like, that was really my first, like real step into like, you know, attempting to do recordings. And even that was, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely proud of it for what it was then, but comparatively it's like night and day, you know, this is like all the way at the beginning and it just, you know, it got even crazier from there. Well, of course it did. You know what I'm saying? You grow and it becomes even crazier. So tell me what is different about your production company than the other production companies out there? Okay, good question. Um, so the truth is it's it's hard to really, uh, you know, put myself up against the other guys because I really do believe that everyone, every producer, every arranger, every musician, uh, every composer, everyone really has their own talents. Um, and uh, and every every guy kind of like shines in their own way. So I know for myself, for example, um, this actually, it's like now I can actually talk about it because it was officially like announced uh, just recently. There was a big uh, Torah Anytime campaign. Yes. And uh, during their stream, um, they announced that uh, I had partnered up with them to make a theme song for the organization. And um, so like as a good example, that theme song, I started all the, I started pretty much all the work on putting the song together and composing it and even writing the lyrics and at a certain point, I felt, you know, we need the we need like some other flavors in here. You know, like you can't just get like one scoop with the same flavor. You got to get like a couple extra scoops with some other flavors, you know. So I ended up pulling in um, a, a couple other producers, uh, a good friend of mine, Adam Shapiro from uh, Lakewood. And I ended up pull, pulling in Arye Kunstler um, and I ended up pulling in uh, Nohi Krohn. And by the time it was done, it was like like the perfect uh, it was like the perfect cholent of producers to make like like an amazing, amazing track. And uh, yeah, Baruch Shem. That being said, you know, even though everyone has their own, uh, you know, ha has their specific things that shine, one of the things that I really try to focus on is, um, you know, bringing out 
um, like bringing out like the, um, I guess it's hard to say like the soul of the artist, but bringing, bringing out the creative soul of the artist where um, there's a lot of guys that uh, I have the privilege of working with who are unbelievably talented, um, some who are just starting out and some who are, you know, a little more established. And, um, you know, it's one of those things we tend to, to take, you know, artists that we, uh, you know, that we admire and almost like, you know, I, I guess uh, to say copy wouldn't be the, ni- you know, wouldn't be the nicest word, but to imitate them. And one of the biggest things um, that an artist really has to do is like find their own voice and, you know, find where they stand in the spectrum of all that, find what, you know, figure out what actually matters to them so that they can figure out what they should be singing about as opposed to just like finding something that happens to be a little catchy and, you know, just putting it out just because, oh, yeah, it sounded nice at the time, but there's like nothing backing it up. You know, it's just it's nice. You know, there's nothing nothing inherently wrong with it, but there's nothing really there. When somebody sings from their soul and from inside them, those are the songs that get noticed because you could feel what they're singing. If they're just copying somebody else, they're copying somebody else. They're not singing from inside of them. hundred percent. So let me give you the scenario. Somebody comes into your studio. They have so much talent, so much potential, but they're not confident in reaching that highest note or reaching that lowest note. How do you give them the confidence? So a lot of it is really, um, a lot of it is really helping like the artists um, or the singers or the musicians to, to like understand that what they've considered to be their limitations for probably a very long time are very rarely their actual limitations. And, um, and like, this is, you know, my, my like famous example that I've said over many, many times is that in a many years ago in a completely different lifetime, um, I went through a lifeguarding course, uh, which has definitely expired for like many, many years now. And I, sur- I, I can't imagine I'd be able to save anybody, you know, that was like in a lake or whatever, but, but at least it helps for this, um, is that, uh, one of the things they told us in the course is that when somebody's under the water and they're pretty confident that they're done, like it's game over, this is how it ends, um, really they have about 15 seconds left. And, and which, which is like a crazy thing because like 15 seconds doesn't sound like a lot of time, but if you're like stuck underneath the water, 15 seconds is a lot of time. Um, and the reason that they feel like that is because it's, it's really like, um, it's, it's kind of like an insurance policy within your brain that your brain is telling you like, okay, you got to get up right now. Like make it happen. You know, don't use those extra 15 seconds. You know, we don't want to run out the clock. Um, and that actually, that, that, um, you know, that system manifests itself in different ways also, you know, if somebody in theory, not that I recommend this, but in theory, if somebody gets upset and they decide to hit a wall, so it's the same idea most of the time. The reason why they won't break a bone is because their brain is telling them, if you hit this wall at full force, you're going to break something, so don't do it. And the brain actually will slow down the human body so that someone who hits a wall is not hitting it at full force. Um, and, and it works the same way um, with singing, um, where a lot of it, honestly, is mental. And it's, um, you know, a lot of it is like in your head. And you kind of tell yourself like, oh, there's no way I can hit that note. Um, but I've seen many, many times over on the, like, there's always the rare occasion where you have a kid who like his, you know, he just became bar mitzvah and his voice changed. And like, it's just not happening. Like he's got to get used to a different vocal range, but outside of like that, you know, once in a while, uh, you know, outside of that once in a while time where it just is reality, um, many, many times. It's really just people that get too much and like they go too far inside of their own heads 
and uh, and they've convinced themselves that like there's no way I'm gonna be able to hit that. And really, they just need to be like, they just need to let themselves go and say like, you know what? I understand my mind is telling me this. I'm just not gonna listen. I'm just gonna do my own thing. And that's when the greatest stuff really comes out. Does that just happen in one session, or you actually have to sit with these um, boys that you're that you're recording with and and tell that to those that are not so confident in the studio? So the truth is, um, I would say the vast majority of the time, I'm trying to think if there's ever been a situation where somebody had to come back uh, for us to like do it again. I, I don't think it's almost ever happened. It's usually like, I mean, like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll run them through it pretty, pretty tough, you know, like a couple, a couple times until we get there. Um, but it, it almost always comes out uh, when they, you know, when they, whenever it is that they come in to do vocals, sometimes it's when we're first putting together the song, sometimes it's after all the music's already been created and now they're just, you know, putting their vocals on and any finishing touches and stuff like that. Um, but the truth is like once they, once they come in and I go into like vocal coach mode, um, it usually, you know, thank God, it, it usually works itself out. You really know what you're doing then if you can get it done all in one session smoothly. Oh, it's, you know, practice makes perfect. After a, after a bunch of years, you start to like, it's also um, like, honestly, I think, um, I think a big part of uh, this, honestly, this applies to like probably a lot of things in life and a lot of different businesses. Um, but there are definitely, um, you know, through the years, there have definitely been, you know, uh, studio engineers or producers, or I, I guess probably more studio engineers than anything else. Um, where somebody comes in to record, and as far as they're concerned, and it's not, you know, it's not chas v'shalom, like, not saying anything, you know, nice on them, but as far as they're concerned, their entire job is to press the record button, and that's it. And that's, I mean, in theory, that is kind of what it is, but at the end of the day, you need to have a vested interest in bringing out the best in the people that are coming to record. And if all you do is just sit there and press the record button, you might even get some really great stuff once in a while, but you're not going to get the amazing, amazing stuff that you get when you really like connect with the person and like, and like get it, get into their heads a little bit in terms of like what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Like one of my favorite things to do really before I start any song is to have someone come in and literally just hang out, just schmooze and have them play the song for me. Um, you know, or, or if they don't play an instrument, have them sing it and then I'll pick up a guitar or I'll, or I'll, uh, you know, uh, pull out my keyboard or something like that and just start just start playing through the song and just start coming up with ideas and sort of like it, it's really like more of a jam session than it is like like a studio recording session. Um, but that's that's when a lot of the great stuff really comes out because you already start to like you get used to each other. And like it's 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 very normal, honestly, with a lot of artists, but even more so when you're working with uh, with younger, you know, younger kids where, you know, it's normal for all of us to some degree to be self-conscious of the, of the art that we're releasing to the public and just praying that somebody's not going to, like, stomp all over. You really invest your time and you get better results that way. You get positive results. 100%. So, like, even more so when you have, like, a younger kid who comes in and, like, he doesn't even want to sing in front of his own family, like, let alone you. Like, he just met you for the first time. And so, like, the, f the first step is really, like, connecting with these kids and, like, getting into, you know, g getting an understanding of what they want to accomplish, you know, with their music. And, um, and like, it's, it's really awesome. Like, once it all comes together, that's really what brings out the greatest stuff. Sounds amazing. Like, it sounds amazing how, how you deal with the kids. You just, you're like, you're going to do this and, and you get it done. So right now you're producing, you're doing an awesome job. Where do you see your career in five years? So, I mean, if all, uh, you know, it's all up to, uh, it's all up to Hashem, obviously, but uh, hopefully doing the same stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is absolutely living the dream. 
Um, I've, I've, uh, I mean, over the years, I, I worked a lot of different day jobs before I, you know, Baruch Hashem started doing music full time. And uh, I never found anything to be as uh, fulfilling as uh, being involved in, in Jewish music and, and studio and audio projects and uh, playing music at Simchas. Like, I mean, for sure with live music, um, there's no greater, like, there's no greater feeling than being able to, like, Baruch Hashem make a living from, you know, bringing Simcha to people. Like, that's awesome. That's, that's like the greatest thing. People, when people see that I do radio, I say I literally, my job is to listen to music. Like people are like, what do you do all day? I'm like, well, I talk to people all the time. I'm inspired all the time. I hear about people's life stories and I get to listen to music and I'm, it's, it's incredible. It's so amazing. Yeah, I love it awesome. because people with a lot of passion, if they do what they love, it's so fulfilling. Speaking about music, I'm about to play for you one of Hillel Kapnick's songs that he produced for Waterbury Masifta. Here is Welcome Back on JTriberadio.com. <laughs> Hey, old friend, you seem so alone Remember that place we were years ago I miss everything that feels like home You know the right time is to go Even though our memories have grown Arms right from the start I'm starting to forget We ever were apart I'm throwing my past away Now I can confidently say I'm welcome here and I belong
with some more Hillel Kapnick. Are there any musicians that you would like to collaborate with? That is a great question. Um, the truth is, a lot of the a lot of the people that I would have put on that list, uh, you know, a bunch of years ago, are like thank God people who I now work with all the time, which is awesome. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun. Um, as far as uh, as far as like artists or uh, you know or composers or singers or or musicians who I who I'd love to do a lot more with. Um, I mean, for me, my favorite, my absolute favorite composer and very possibly favorite like vocalist of all time, uh, which might sound surprising because he doesn't really bill himself as like a vocalist for the most part, um, would actually be A.B. Rottenberg. And so like this is already going, this is a, a many, many years back, but um, many years back when I was first like learning the ropes of this kind of stuff, um, I happened to have gotten very close with a guy um, who actually now runs a, a huge marketing company out of... Uh, out of Lakewood, I believe. Um, his name is uh, Shmuley Rosenberg. Um, and he produced, he produced many albums over the years and he did a lot of stuff specifically for URA, um, you know, for, out of a lot of the organizations. Um, and uh, at one point, URA was looking to do one of their Schmorg CDs and the plan was for them to come to Muncie uh, because uh, A.B. Rottenberg was here staying at, I think it was his daughter's house. It was like the, the Shabbos right before the Hass concert. So he came in from, uh, I think he's usually in Toronto, I think. Um, he came in to, to be by his daughter's house and um, Ura had wanted to do a version of like going back to like the old Journey CDs. They had a song called Yeshiva Charade. And they of course wanted, I know that song. <laughs> they wanted to do Yeshiva Charade part two. And so um, I got like, like for me, this was like the dream as like someone who was like just learning the business is I got a call from Shmuley and he's like, oh, you want to be like my assistant on the job? Because I'm going to record AB. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Like I should pay you to like to like be part of that. And like to this day, I still every so often I go back, I have all these like pictures and videos from that session. Like that's for me, that's probably one of the places where it all began. Cause like there was just so much, like it was such an amazing experience to be part of that. And when Shmuley and I showed up, um, AB had probably written about 70 to 80% of the song. And he's like, yeah, I didn't finish it yet. And we're like, oh, okay, so let's all finish it together. And I'm like, wait, what? This is awesome. <laughs> wow, you got to finish a song with A.B. Rottenberg. Yeah, so it was, it was absolutely, like it was, it was off the hook. Um, like, I ended up getting a line in the song. Shmully got a couple lines in the song. Like, that was the coolest thing ever to be, like, part of, like, the actual, like, composing product. And, like, we're talking about Yeshiva Charade here. Like, all we did was, like, make fun of the culture for 20 minutes to, like, you know, come up with, like, all these jokes that we could throw in the songs about, like, you know, driving, like, broken up station wagons and, you know, like, uh, eating, you know, like, eating cholent after Mishmar and, like, oh, it was great. Like, we... Just like we broke out like every stereotype we could think of to like make the song awesome. And uh, Ura after that, like did a music video with it and they put it out with the Schmorg. Yeah, it was awesome. Did you get any credit for it? That is a good question. I don't think I actually did for the writing because it was one of those like by the way kind of things. Like it just kind of happened. Um, but uh, but it was it was like such an awesome experience. So what is your favorite music to produce? Because you probably produce many different types of music. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, so the truth is, I mean, like Jewish music has definitely uh, gone through little like, you know, little changes, um, which, you know, to some degree is definitely affected by, you know, like all the music in the world and what, you know, the entire world is listening to. And that like, you know, eventually like sort of seeps its way into like Jewish music, um, you know, to some degree. Um, that being so like, you know, for example, you know, years back, a lot of the stuff was a lot more organic. So drums, bass, guitar, stuff like that. And a lot of the music nowadays tends to at least lean towards the more like electronic, you know, um, you know, genre of music. 
Um, but that being said, like for me, uh, honestly, like I have a lot of fun producing like all different, you know, genres and subgenres of Jewish music. Um, for me, like my favorite thing is really just to, is really to work with, like, honestly, I, I love working with new artists. It's one of my favorite things, like guys who are like fresh and they're ready to go and they're excited. Like, I remember like years ago, somebody, uh, somebody introduced me to like a, you know, to a, a guy who was like a, I guess you'd call him a performer. He, he composed songs and he, he performed them himself. And, um, and at the time they said like, oh, you got to meet this guy. Like, he's awesome. You got to hear his stuff. And we sat down and he played some stuff for me. And like right away, I was super excited. I'm like, this, this music is amazing. Like the, the compositions really mean something like, okay, let's, uh, you know, let's do something like this is great. And the guy was like, uh, I'm not sure. I have to like think about it. And I'm like, listen, I can't be excited enough for two people. You know what I mean? Like, I, I absolutely love working with people who are excited. It's very, very hard, though, for somebody to be excited enough for two people. So what happened? So the truth is, um, in the end, w the, yeah, so the truth is him and I haven't actually released any music yet. I know some of his songs were actually taken by other artists because I don't know if he himself was like ready to really put himself out there as as like a as like a, a real performer. I mean, he was doing more like, you know, backyard kind of gigs and stuff like that. Um, but as far as like really getting out there, like you have to be you do have to be like mentally ready for that to some degree, you know, like, you know, ready to go out. Um, but but that being said, like, I absolutely love working with new artists. That's why, like, I mean, thank God over the last uh, couple of years, I've been really, really privileged to do a lot of the uh, Waterbury tracks. And um, that was a that was a really, really awesome experience. And it's it continues to be a really awesome experience um, because a lot of these guys like they're just like developing their, you know, composing skills and lyric writing skills and and composition skills and playing instruments and stuff like that. And like you get to be there for all of that. And it's such a cool thing to be a part of. Not only that, but you'll be able to say I knew them when they were just starting out. Like yeah. when they're, you know, yeah. you'll be like, I was the one that produced their music when they were just starting out. 100%. So I know that you got the advice during your lifeguard course, but what besides for that has been the best advice you've been given? That is a great question. Um, I mean, I would definitely say for uh, when it comes to live music, one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest pieces of advice I got was that um, it's better to, you know, it's, it's like a funny thing. Cause you would, you would typically think, I, I guess you would like to think that people would typically think this anyway. Um, but, uh, but that being said, it's always better to be like early to a gig and set up like ready to go two hours before the Simcha actually starts where you're literally just doing nothing for two hours than to risk, you know, anything that's going to lead to like a rushed, you know, stressful setup. There is nothing more like there's nothing more stressful than like having to set up like 20 minutes before a Simcha starts and like it's it's happened over the years you know every once in a while there's you know there's an accident on the highway and even when you left early enough and you know every so often like craziness comes up which is completely out of your control um and when that happens like those are really tough times and you just gotta like jump in there and make it happen so this is not only the best advice you've been given but you're basically giving over advice to to anybody doing live music get there early absolutely yeah yeah like I like for me personally, I'd rather be at a job easily two, you know, two to three hours before it starts just to be there ready to go, you know, then like, then like risk anything else. Take us through a normal day at the studio. Okay. So that being said, it, it depends on the day. Um, like, uh, I do happen to produce, thank God, a, a lot of music. Um, but I also have gotten involved with a lot of other, you know, audio and, and studio recording related, uh, things. 
uh, such as uh, doing voiceovers and doing everything from radio commercials to podcast intros, um, doing a, a whole number of kids-like story CDs. Um, there's, a, there's a book series called uh, Midos Man, uh, where we've already done five of those, and we've put out one um, under a, like a, a sub-series called uh, Midos Malka, and we're about to finish up like the sixth book and then the second book of Midos Malka, and like... We've so like I like I'm in I I tend to get myself involved in like a lot of different projects everything from music to the stories to uh, voiceovers um, and so every day really is different um, but every day is pretty much like thank God like jam packed with like all, like there's always something new going on <laughs> there's always something new happening there's always you know someone new that's working on music or some new opportunity that jumped up to do you know to do uh, some sort of audio related work for somebody. Like, there's always something cool going on. And your hours, I'm assuming, are not like nine to five. They are not like, I mean, I guess you could say they're structured to some degree. Um, but the truth is like, I, you know, I, you know, thank God because I have the privilege of doing this stuff. So I'm also here to really, you know, serve as best as I can the artists that want to come in and record. So if you have somebody who's, you know, looking to put out music and they're working a nine to five, then we're not working until they finish their job anyway. So sometimes, you know, that, that, that does sometimes translate out to, you know, sessions that'll, you know, start unbelievably late and go till, you know, the sun comes up and that does happen. Um, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's all good stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much, Hillel. Before we go, I am going to be playing one more song for you. This song was produced by Hill Kapnick. Here is Kave, which is sung by Waterbury Masifta on jtriberadio.com. <laughs>
Well, that was producer Hill Kaepernick on Hebrew Hits. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And you can check out all of his music and his portfolio down in the link below. Follow Hill Kaepernick on Instagram at Hill Caps. Again, thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful night. <laughs>